calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody, my name is Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to IGN Unfiltered, new show. Mm. Brand new. I like the name. Yeah, Unfiltered. It's like a like the unfiltered cigarette. It's just like all just the all the tar and cancerous just straight right in. into your throat. Uh, this is uh, going to be a show where we talk to interesting people, such as Tim Schafer, who we'll get to in a second. And we can swear a lot. It's kind of like means? unfiltered. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're on the bastard. internet. It doesn't matter. Oh. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of like comedians in cars getting coffee, except no I'm not coffee. a comedian. I don't think we're in a car right now. No. You want some coffee, though? Maybe later. Maybe later. We'll drive somewhere in a really fancy car to get it. Sounds good to me. Tim Schaefer, the oh. founder of Double Fine Productions, right. longtime LucasArts designer. Uh, let's mm. rattle off some of the amazing games on your mm. resume. You worked on Monkey Island 1 and 2, mm -hmm. Day of the Tentacle, mm -hmm. Full Throttle, mm -hmm. Grim Fandango, Brutal Legend, Double Fine Happy Action Theater, which most people forget was actually one of the coolest things ever done with Connect. You forgot it was one of the coolest things, that's true. I didn't forget. Thank you for remembering. I, I appreciated mm -hmm. it. The floor is lava. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole. Mm -hmm. And Broken Age, of course, the most recent game. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, welcome. Thank you for hanging out. Thanks for having me. So, you, you forgot Psychonauts. You should mention Psychonauts. So, are you saving that up for like the second? I do have Psychonauts questions. Whole, okay, I good. Do have Psychonauts questions. Isn't that sad? That and I had Psychonauts. To, I had to point that out. Edit that in later. Uh, I want to start by asking you if Kickstarter buys you like a nice bottle of wine or something every year because you you really you are responsible for putting Kickstarter on the map and, and certainly in the video game space. I mean, you brought them a lot of business. That's a strong that's a strong statement there. But uh, I was you know we got a lot we benefited a lot from them and I sure. think that I think it worked both ways and I think. Um, I you know I feel uh, bad taking too much credit for because if we hadn't launched that campaign, I'm sure you know Brian Fargo or someone would have come right behind us. So it's nice to be out there first, so we can act like we masterminded this you whole thing. We like yeah, we invented it. We thought about it. I had to be talked into it. I didn't um, want to do it at first. I was scared. Like we got a really? mail a year before we did the Kickstarter campaign where um, I think it was Brandon Boyer was introducing me to them and saying, "Hey, you should think about this for a game." And I. Asked my business guy, like, what, uh, what is this thing? And he's like, oh, it's this little thing people use to like fund their dance projects. Their coffee maker. It's the highest project is only like five thousand dollars. You'll never, it's, you can't use it for games. And I was like, okay, 
And so we didn't do anything with it until the documentary guys came down, two-player productions. Yeah. And they had used it for their Minecraft documentary. And they talked us into it. And um, our producer, Greg, was like a big proponent of it and kept trying to get me to push the button and launch it. And I was like, oh, God, it's going to be so embarrassing. If you don't make $400,000, it's going to be so embarrassing. And, uh, and then, it, then it changed, yeah. So uh, what were you were just too, do you think you were too tied into the old mindset of, of you know, fund, game funding to? Well, no, I definitely wanted out of that. Yeah. You know, we, for years, you know, the, the old funding model was just really hard for um, developers because you, you would go around and beg and plead for money, show your game idea, do a, your little dog and pony show. Right. And if you're lucky, you get like a contract. And then you would, you would try and like, say you made, you had a contract for $10 million. Um, and then you'd be like, okay, we're going to save some of that to like have as a buffer or to like have some money that we can pay the team in between projects, and you, you know, and yeah. then you make the game and then things change and there's complications and the game eats into that money. Then you go down to zero money and then you, you're trying to get the next contract. You, you just take the next deal you can get and then... You are in essence <clears throat> living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, exactly. And then you just have to take the next deal and you go through that same cycle again. You always go down to zero every time unless you really can sock away some extra money, uh, which they don't like to do if they find out that you're doing it. Like some of them, like, we don't want to make sure you're not building any profit into these milestones. And it's like, why? So we can feed our families? Or <laughs> why, why don't you like that idea? Um, and uh, so we wanted to get off that, that treadmill. And uh, we had done, through um, some angel investment, we had an angel named Steve Dangler who helped us uh, um, port some of our games to PC and self-publish them. Yeah. And that, that opened our eyes to like, wow, you get to actually keep the money when you self-publish things. This is really interesting. And then using crowdfunding was just the ultimate break from that dependency cycle because we got this money from the ultimate you know, consumers of what you make, the players. You know, the players themselves had funded it. It was beautiful. So out of that Kickstarter came what ultimately became Broken Age, mm -hmm. uh, which now is no longer part one, part two. It's just a game. Broken it's Age. Just Broken Age. Unbroken. So... You know, and it went, obviously, it's, I've seen every episode of the Double Fine Adventure oh, documentary. Thank you for it watching. Was, I genuinely believe, I've told you this uh, before, that I, I uh, kickstarted, I backed it for the game. Oh, thanks for backing. I'm a backer. Does that set a whole, like, uh, is that an ethics problem I now? didn't review the game. Oh, good. So, sure. I think I'm good. No, we have slept as, together, but. It, right. Other that, than that, that was just no our own ethics. personal lives. Yeah. Um, that's how I got on this show. That's. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. You're a good guest. Setting the tone. Yeah. Charlie uh, Rose. <laughs> that's how we do it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you ended up making, as the, the I was going to say, the documentary became worth the, the amount I backed it for unto itself. It was mm -hmm. such a fascinating insight into how your, how your game got made. And throughout, through that, we learned that, <clears throat> well, gee, even the three point something million dollars you ended up raising which was 10 more, you know, almost 10 times, or no, I'm not good at math. I went to journalism school. A lot school. more. Yeah, no, Metric 10 times. Metrically 10 speaking, times. I got lot. it right, for, really? right the first time. Okay. Yeah. Almost 10 times your initial asking yeah, uh, yeah. price, your initial asking budget. Mm -hmm. And even that was like, uh, we got to split the game into two parts because mm -hmm. we need to get keep this thing going. So in the end, how has... Uh, has broken age broken even nice. at this point? See, that's yeah. why you prepare for these things. That's you get those in there. <laughs> we, um, you know, yeah, halfway through with that, well, what turned out to be halfway through, we were like, right, design this game, and we realized we wanted to go bigger than 
even when we were funded. And what had changed at that point was that we actually had some money now because we had done those self-published things. And yeah. we, we, we did Brutal Legend PC, we had done this Humble Bundle, and we brought in some money, and we're like, let's spend it on this game, and really kind of double down on this game. And so we made it twice as big, and um, didn't charge anybody any extra, and got tons of hate mail for that. <laughs> it's a big learning experience, you know? Like if you, there are a lot of people just waiting for the first big um, crowdfunding, uh, there's a lot of people really skeptical of crowdfunding, and right. they feel that it's a, it's a pyramid scheme, Ponzi scheme, any type of scheme they can name. And we were one of the biggest, um, uh, you know, campaigns. They're a big target, ultimately. And so when they were like, oh, they went through all the money and they're not going to ship a game, they just dogpiled on us and just the internet just like um, unleashed. We'd never gotten really any serious hate mail ever before. You guys have been beloved for years. And it was years. like, oh my God, these people are so mad at us. And, and it, it wasn't even clear until we were done that I was like, yeah, we shipped the game. We made it twice as big as we said we were going to do. We didn't charge anyone any extra money. Why did we get all that hate mail? And I think a lot of it was... Um, they were just, people were just, they're just looking for someone to rip them off. Like, they're like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be that's going to rip us all off? And there have been crowdfunding campaigns that have been um, in all different genres, not video games, but in all different genres, there have been some that have just vanished overnight. And right. I think people are like, you got to watch out for that. But I think that's fair. I think you do have to watch out for that. I think you, you know, if it's, you know, someone, you know, you got to think about the stuff before you fund any campaigns that this could go belly up, you know, this could go bad. But ours didn't. Ours turned out really well, I think, and I'm really happy with the game that it came out, and uh, um, uh, and I'm glad we did it. So yeah, that's, I have to ask that as the question. I'm always like, I'm glad we did it, because like parts of it were really hard. Parts of being that transparent, it, you know, and they kind of it's linked. It's not the same thing as crowdfunding, but the transparency is kind of linked to it, as you see, I'm doing with my fingers. Right. We, um, the, the, the universal gesture <clears throat> for linked. Yeah. yeah, because if you're going to, you know, the, the feeling was like if we're going to take all that money from people, we should show them what we're doing with it. Right. And people expect expect that. And um, it's funny how they expect it now, too. Like with all our, a lot of our new games, we're kind of taking, like a whole team was like, we're taking a little break from being that transparent. We're like, let's just not talk about what we're doing every day, you know, because uh, you just take a little uh, break from it because I think that it was kind of like um, the team, like, well, it's dumb. Like being on a reality show? Yeah, and just like, I'd like to be unobserved for just a little while. And so, yeah. and so a lot of people were like, what's going on with the games? What, are you guys okay? I haven't heard anything from you. are like, no, we're being just normal. We're going back to normal for just a little while. And I'm sure, you know, we still have, you know, two players still filming us, and I think, that, you know, we'll still be sharing that. We still have, I still believe in, you know, the kind of mission of um, letting people know what's on the other side of the wall. Because when I was a kid, I, um, I really loved video games. And I wanted to work in video games, but I couldn't, my imagination and experience, I couldn't visualize the other side of the wall. Right. And I remember writing a letter to Analog Magazine, because I analog, not analog, the science fiction. Aren't fiction all magazines one. analog? It was called Analog. <laughs> this is the magazine for Atari 400, 800 yeah. owners, Analog. And I was like, what? How do I get a job in the games industry? And what is it? What is the work? And what do I do? And, this? and, and they never answered my letter. And I was like, oh. And um, so that's why I feel bad when people write me letters and ask how to get in the games industry, and I don't answer their letter. I feel really bad. I try to, I try to answer, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question. But we, I, I really want to show people what it's like because I think it just helps them visualize it. Like you said in your example, are you, are you more or less interested in a job making video games after watching that documentary? Yeah, I mean, I'm very lucky to get to do what I do, but watching that documentary gave me an additional appreciation. I hope I appreciated game developers before. <laughs> I definitely do more after watching uh, yours, but I definitely don't want to make video games That's now because <laughs> it, watching it, it was like this is really hard and just absurdly, it's it's uh, it's thankless and it's 
at times seemingly soul-crushing from what was... Well, they're all different. Every game is different. Um, and but that's funny because the mission was not to discourage people from making games. But <laughs> I'm just like, sorry. It is like you see that if dummies like us can do it, so could you. That's, that was the original title of the documentary. Was video game us. making for dummies. Yeah, um, but, but you also did want people to see how much care is put into them because a lot of the you know a lot of the things people demand are like why didn't they why didn't they add multiplayer to that and like you don't just add right multiplayer you develop that over it's, it's from the very beginning it's co it's complicated like you just feel <laughs> like oh it's so hard to explain uh, all the work that goes into these decisions and um, we just wanted to show that just wanted to show it and I think the documentary two player did a great job of, of showing the ups and the downs and maybe almost you know when you watch it now there's just so many meetings where we talk about the schedule and stuff it's it's easier in some ways to capture that than those really fun moments of creative discovery where you're, because a lot of it is just me and my desk. Like, there'll be a picture of me just writing in my notebook, and yeah. it doesn't look that amazing, but you can't, like, maybe that was the day that I had this amazing, oh my god, this is great, this is going really well, and you can't tell, because those are the really, you know, or, or sometimes a brainstorming session, you'll be sitting with people, and you'll be talking about ideas, and you have that great chemistry where you're just triggering more and more ideas off of each other's ideas, and, and those are the real upsides of it, you know, to me, or is that finding... Um, a creative thing together, which balances out all the meetings about the schedule. And so, so even though you were, uh, you did sort of invite, some, well not invite, you, you did get some uh, negative feedback from the community, shall we say, throughout the process, it's, you would do it again. You are doing it again. You would open the well, doors. Well, we're filming it, so we have it. Who knows? Who knows what we'll do it? No, we, <laughs> um, we uh, I, I think there's a lot of things we would change. Um, like, but in some ways, the things we regret are the things that were not transparent. Like, we had a private forum for the backers. Mm -hmm. And that was nice in some ways because it was a private place for them to chat. Right. But in some ways, I wish, we wished it was more open so that more people could see all the stuff we were posting. And there's still a lot of stuff that we posted only the backers could see, you know. And I think you want everyone else to see what we're doing so they, you know, don't get misinformation. Do you think that, uh, is Broken Age going to be the last, like, big multi-year project that you guys ever do? Because you know, the, the studio now generally works in mm -hmm. multiple, much smaller scale projects and Broken Ages have mm -hmm. turned into this much mm -hmm. bigger thing. I would, definitely not. I, um, I want to do both. I think there's, we had so much fun making games like Stacking and Costume Quest that were smaller games. Yeah. Um, and they took around a year to make. And, um, but there's still there's something about a game where you can really tuck in and do deep systems and do real, like a, like a deeper world to explore. Um, that is, is, you know, that we also like. And I, that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons that FIG was created, is that we wanted to do um, crowdfunding on an even bigger scale. You know, and I think you have to bring in the stuff that FIG is bringing in as far as uh, having investors be able to, people actually, you know, they're fine giving a certain amount of money, but then after a while it starts to seem like, wow, what if you get, what if you get rich off this game? What do I get, you know? And, and so we, we add that, you know, they added that element in FIG of letting people actually invest and share in the, the profits of a game. And I think that's what it is going to take to push them into being able to fund larger games. Right. That's the ultimate goal is to get, like, full-size AAA games funded through crowdfunding. And we'll get to FIG uh, later, which is uh, Oh, we just got to that, it. Well, we we're going to go. We're gonna we now ate go. the FIG right there. You didn't even see it. You we're going to go back to the FIG. Okay. We're going to go. Nice. We're, that, that was the FIG Newton. We'll come back to the the actual we chew through the golden flaky <laughs> the tender cakey outside crust, yes uh, do you have another point and click adventure game <clears throat> working inside your brain somewhere do you think <laughs> i you know um, i i grew up playing adventure games 
And this is a nice, you know, Broken Age is a nice return to it. And there's a way in which my brain always thinks that way and thinks in terms of puzzles. Yeah. Even on Psychonauts, if you played Psychonauts or even Brutal Legend, thinking about, you know, some of the special abilities the troops have, unlocking certain things in the levels. There's still these key unlock kind of adventure game puzzles buried and everything. Um, and I probably, I probably would, I, you know, we might make another one again. I probably, it's not the next thing I'm going to make because I always like to do the opposite of whatever we did last. And uh, Broken Age is a nice reminder of how hard they are to make. They're really hard to make. Um, and they're, you know, you work for a big period of time to make a small, you know, you, you'll work for months on a sequence that someone might blow through in 15 minutes. Right. One time. You know, they won't play it twice. Right. They'll play it at one time. And that's a, that's a uh, kind of daunting equation to work, to see your work kind of condensed. It's like making a shrinky dink. You know, it looks really neat when it's done, but man, I took a big thing, I like shrunk it down to make it. Is that a good Do you uh, try not to think metaphor, about it that way? Shrinky dinks? I just, now I'll have to think about it. Now, now I made that up, that's bad. Forever, we've ruined adventure gaming. I can't stop. You are going to make another adventure game until you talk to me. I can't stop thinking about shrinky dinks. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, on that similar. <clears throat> so, but you, you've got to deal with Sony right now, where uh, the there's, there's a nice, there's a lovely little romance going between <laughs> you and Sony. Mm -hmm. uh, they put Broken Age on PS4. They helped get Broken Age uh, mm -hmm. on the PlayStation 4. You're working on. Day of the Tentacle Special Edition right now, which is another one of your brilliant mm -hmm. uh, adventure games from, from your past. Oh, I thank you. And, uh, of course, did I say Grim Fandango Remastered already? Say it again. Grim Fandango Remastered. Remastered yeah. which is on PS4 and uh, the Vita, too, as a cross-play yep. thing, which yep. game aged well. Yeah. Super loved playing it again after, it's fun to go back after to these that, years. Yeah. So <clears throat> tell me about the, the deal. How do, where does that come from? Because, you know, that's... Uh, not every publisher, I can imagine, is like, hey, let's, uh, let's bring back this 15-year-old <laughs> adventure game. Well, those were actually... Especially on a console. Yeah, I mean, those were like a uh, three-way deal with Disney, Sony. Right. you had to and get the was, rights. You know, we tried for years to get those rights, and they were hard to... It seemed like Sony kind of offered a magic, uh, magic key that helped unlock... The, I mean, it seemed like it took all three parties together to make this deal right. happen. And it is kind of this miracle because, you know, those are big companies. And, yeah. you know, Grimm is, of course, a huge game. It's, of course, bigger than um, Madden. Half-Life. Yeah, yeah, it's bigger than anything. But, um, you know, you know, they have, you know, Frozen, right? They have big, they have big things. And, it, like, to, it's, it's hard to get a big company's attention and stuff. And the fact that we just happen to have uh, at those companies... Um, some people who were fans, like game fans, like people who liked those adventure games, who yeah. had fond memories of them, and and kind of did it for, um, I mean, they did it for business reasons, but also creative reasons. They also just really believed in bringing these games back, and um, you know, it's just it's it's nice to um, to find that in a big company, because in a big company, you often have people who kind of want to keep their heads down, not really stand up for anything, or just like, oh, I just, you know, I'm not gonna. But we found people who are willing to really champion the classic LucasArts games and um, make them happen. So yeah, because, I mean, I've talked to, I've been lucky enough to talk <clears throat> to Ron Gilbert in the past, and he's, he's mentioned how uh, LucasArts, you know, Lucas never, would never sell anything mm -hmm. that he owns, so he could never get Monkey Island, you know, he's not going to do a Monkey Island unless he can get it back for mm -hmm. himself. So uh, it, did it really just, did it take, did it take Sony for you to, to sort of get in, get in the door with, with Disney to try and get these things. I did. Back. I did take all three of us, you know, and uh, I I was at first 
not I, I wanted to own them again. You know, yeah. I wanted to own Grim Vendetta again. Um, and since so that wasn't going to happen, I was like, well, I guess it's never going to happen. And and someone's our own uh, CEO, Justin uh, Bailey, was like, well, let's this deal. We can set up a deal where you can license them. We can still you know publish on the on the PC. You can still be making money from this game. And uh, we could do. You should be the one to do the remaster because you know all of you know the original the source material the best. And um, and if you and the scary thing was when he was like, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And that's how I realized, yeah, that it, you know, even though we you know we don't own it, we still kind of get to refresh our stamp on it. Like I get to by by doing the remaster, kind of like right. visit it again and reaffirm that we you know. Me and the team, you know, we know the most about this thing and really can can do it right. So well, it sounds so. Would that's like, uh, you know, you had to watch. Although <clears> you, you participated, but Lucas in its sort of final days as a game studio, uh, a couple of their last projects where they redid Monkey Island one and two mm -hmm. as special editions. You participated in a really interesting developer commentary and, and the second I one. I think they did a really good job with those. Two would you have? Would you? Did it sort of annoy you that you weren't making that? Would you have rather done that yourself? Well, those are Ron's games. I mean, it would have been good to have, you know, Ron. But he was working at the studio at the time involved. with you. He was working on the cave at yeah. the time, yeah. Um, but uh, he probably would have made, I mean, the the biggest gripe I have with those games is Garbage's hair. Maybe he could have, you done know, Ron probably would have done something <laughs> with the hair. I think they did a good job with those. Most, the thing I, I liked the most about it was that you could see the original game. You could, you yeah. could. You I'm could press, um, a button. press a button, see the original game as it was, and that's really important, I think, and important to fans, and um, important to, to me, and to, I, th I think it was important to Ron. But uh, if Ron was involved, I think it would have been even better, and he would have um, could have added things like we did with Grimm, like knowing knowing the source material well, being able to like put in. There's a couple little things in Grimm that it would, I put in that I'd always wanted to put in, like the camera spinning around Olivia when she reads her poem, just tiny little things. And, of course, replacing all the guns with walkie-talkies. That was another thing I really wanted to do. That's a classic. So we got that in there. It's a classic yeah. move as you get a little older in your career. Yeah, you go that's back. the uh, kind of this the senior statement signature on a piece of art. <laughs> is like let's get rid of those guns. So uh, does the fact that this day of the tentacle project now mm. being called special edition versus Grim Fandango <clears> being <throat> called remastered, does that indicate that you're approaching this day of the tentacle mm. project differently somehow? And mostly because it's 2D and the art, the final look of it, I think, will be more similar to the um, the methods used in the Monk Allen special editions, where you you can see the art crossfade. Right. You know, on on on. Whereas Grim, we were kind of going back to the source material and uncompressing it and painting the textures to look nicer and and, and stuff like that. And um, really, it's just a semantic thing. I probably could call it. We could call it. Should we change it back to remaster? Let's change it back to remaster. I, you know, it's it's kind of a nice word. It's. It's a it's it's very classy. It's sort of an upscale. <laughs> it's like a suit and tie kind of word. Essentially, means the same thing. I mean, um, because there were special edition things in Grimm, like the commentary, developer commentary, right. and all the concept art gallery. That's more special features. And dots. Dave Tenkel is going to have that too. We're going to do commentary and special features, and and, uh, and also remastering it in that we're you know, oppressing the art and uh, and going back. You know, the music is an interesting part. We haven't really talked about too many details of it, but yeah, that's what going I back to and making you. it uh, sound really good, but also true to what sound cards used to sound like at the time. So that's an interesting challenge for our audio Sound Blaster 16. Yeah, and then have the two versions for people who want to see. I want to just hear exactly what it sounded like in 1993. And so we'll have the button to go back and forth at yeah. will with it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
what, how, how far along is it? Because it, it was sort of announced seemingly, if I remember right, mm -hmm. alongside Grimm at no, the we, Sony. Or was it another time? In any case, it's been a no. while since we've heard from it. Yeah. Heard from but you see, and I get this it. on Twitter sometimes. People are like, what's going on with the identical? I'm like, you guys, this, you guys are forgetting this is how we Real should do things. We would announce it. Not say anything for months and months and months, and then announce it when it's closer to being done. Yeah, because it's yeah they've been uh, t uh, you know our teams been working on it uh, nonstop, and they have you know the backgrounds painted and animation I think completely painted now, and so wow. um, uh, there'll be more news about that soon. Excellent. But isn't it funny how like I really don't think we've been secretive about that project. We've just been no. not showing a documentary about it every month. Right. <laughs> and well, it's I am fortunate to have you, so it mm -hmm. is it is by is my yeah, it looks duty amazing. To, yeah, it sounds great. You. Yeah. Well, the so the next thing I have to ask you is I've <clears> told <throat> you too before that uh, my favorite game of yours is Full mm. Throttle. My favorite Tim Schafer game is Full Throttle. I love it so much. Well, thanks for playing. It uh, I I fell upon it in a weird way that the audience doesn't care about. I'll tell you later. Um, but yeah. I sort of came upon it by store? accident. <laughs> no. In a thrift store? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wasn't that prison? Warmer. Prison computer room. Warmer. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I love Full Throttle. It's uh, it's this. It's hilarious. It was beautiful at the time. Uh, I still mm -hmm. did that opening sequence uh, with the, the title sequence <laughs> is stunning. Uh, I love all the, the 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 tone of the humor with Roy Conrad with just that mm -hmm. delivery. His voice is awesome. So so I want to ask you: Is uh, is is a full throttle special edition next? Is that a is that going to happen? Is that a possibility? Do you want to make some news right now? No, but I, uh, it could. I mean, I really would like it to happen. I think it's an obvious next step to do. It's just that there's no nothing. There's no deal there yet. Is that door open though? Now with is is it the same people that you yeah. you'd have to deal as long with? As no one dies. I feel bad if someone dies now. <laughs> um, no, the same, the same people were there, and I think they all expressed interest, and like that would be cool, a cool thing to do. And you just have to navigate the, um, the f from here to there as far as the deal goes. Is it is it going to be contingent on sales or anything? Do we need to all go buy seven thousand yes. copies? Please, all buy eight hundred copies of Grimm until Dave's Tentacle comes out, and then buy nine hundred copies of that. Okay. Now, I mean, I think it's it's it has done well, and I think um, I think everybody wants to do it. It's just uh, we can't uh, say for sure, but let's just say. I'm, Doing everything I can. What it's can not we, really meek all of a sudden. What can I do? Yeah, I really want to do it. I just don't want to say anything on camera that's going to mess up that deal. It's no, uh, a deal. Who's saying anything about a deal? There's no deal. <laughs> Maybe if you say it though, then it just has to happen. That's a that's a technique we think about sometimes. Like let's just announce stuff, and then they'll have to sign it. Right. Yeah. But that's not true. But uh, it's really are, interesting. Are to you? Something that, I mean, clearly you're you're enjoying because I could see how some developers maybe. I mean, you've never been big on sequels for your games, but mm. some developers probably might not ever want to mm. go back. Like, they just want to move forward and do the yeah. next thing. You've been happy to revisit some of these, well, these have, games in your past. Because we have multiple teams. I think if it was the only thing I could do, I think I wouldn't be as interested in, in doing it. But right. we have, um, you know, other people at the company and people that we can even some parts, you know, outsource parts. We It doesn't occupy all of my time to do those remasters. I show up for... Um, you know, the, the, the planning of it, the unearthing. Sometimes I have to help find the hard drives where stuff is. And, <laughs> and but I, um, all, the, all the real, you know, all the real hard programming work, obviously, not me. <laughs> and the audio work and all the animation time. Like, so um, while they're working on that, I can be off doing something new. So it's, it's, um, it's fun. One more note on uh, Full Throttle, because I love it. Have you seen this? That We have a digital of this, so it'll be up on Beautiful. the screen. 
That came from your own forum. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, know. I have seen a, this. A fan did that. Yeah. Is that... It's the kind of thing where at first you don't realize what it is because this right. is the way the game looks in my head. Exactly. Just a nice painting of the... So uh, if, if Full Throttle were to happen, a special edition, is that the sort of general feel you'd want it? That would look... That, would, uh, that yeah. looks amazing, right? Mm -hmm. Would that be what we could expect out of it? Should it happen Well, I don't know about the lens flare. <laughs> lens flare's a little weird, but although that was very popular in the 90s, so maybe that would Big be appropriate time. to have lens flare. Um, I mean, no, this is, this, is a great, this is a great look for it. I'm confirming nothing. Fair enough. If you believe in full throttle, clap your hands like Tinkerbell. <laughs> uh, how have the sales <sighs> been for the uh, the these the Broken Age and so far Grim Fandango? We don't have dot yet, but how have they been mm -hmm. on PS4? Because just in purely in the sense of straight point and click adventures, mm -hmm. have never been particularly console friendly. Mm -hmm. No, they've done they've done well. I mean they. Um, I was trying to think of what I can announce and what I can't announce. I think some <laughs> stuff is not announced yet. So this There's is some things. We're, we're this is going to go up in like a week, week and a half from now. Yeah, I, let's just say, let's <laughs> just say they've done well. They've done well enough for us to hopefully try to make more of them. Excellent. I mean, I want to do that one. Can, I'm just dancing around. Just, I have nothing. You, there's please, nothing to announce. Please announce it right now. I can announce that I would love to do that, but I've said that help, before, so no headlines out of that. Help my new show. Help this new show become successful by announcing a game on it. Oh my god, that, you that should have told me you wanted to be announced. I should. I would have brought some stuff to it. No, I don't have anything to announce. All right, fair enough. I got to try. And sometimes but, those just so those kind of stories are so annoying. Not not that I'm ever annoyed with. <laughs> But like um, in one interview, I was someone was like, "Would you ever want to go back to the world of Brutal Legend?" I was like, "Sure, I'd love that world. That's a fun world." And there was like a headline: "Tim wants to return to Brutal Legend world." And I'm like, "I that that sounds like I, like I got up on a soapbox and I was like, I, Tim, <laughs> are you must, holding a scepter? I am going back to the land of Brutal Legend. I wish right. I had named that land. It'd be easier to say dramatic stuff about it. Yeah. But it's not news because I would love to. There's a part of me that wants to revisit every game I ever made because yeah. those worlds are very you know real to me. So it'd be fun to go back." And it'd be fun to do remastered versions of old adventure games. Sure, it would be. Excellent. Well, are there any finished? Are there any chunks of, of full throttle that hit the cutting room floor that we never oh, yeah. saw? We cut a lot out of that game. That's the, that yeah, game was criticized for being short at the time, even though it's, I remember. I think it's yeah. a normal length now. Uh, in my was it six hours or so? Five six hours? I thought it was eight. Okay, fair enough. And um. Well, who knows? Maybe I got through it faster than you did. One of our producers no, said I it was didn't. a lovely way to spend an afternoon. <laughs> I of course. I did. Uh, I did. Uh, I stayed up with my best friend, who that's who I played all your your games with, your adventure games, when I was uh, what early teenager, and we we got full throttle at uh, Babbage's. Remember Babbage's? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we stayed up all night, uh, and then finished it in the morning. Like finally passed out, and then finished it in the mm -hmm. morning. So yeah, like six awesome. eight hours. It was I mean, love it. That was a game. I mean, you got to think about it. the last game we had made was Day of the Tentacle. And so think about Full Throttle and how it looks. Like it was really pushing a lot of different stuff, and the artists were um, doing incredible things with full screen animation. You know, just like those, his, you know, the cutscenes of like him picking up the chainsaw. Those are all like full screen stuff, yeah. which we could never do before. I just remember Monkey Island just trying to move the ghost ship as it sailed away, and how it <laughs> dragged the whole computer to a halt. Like ah, and it, was, it would tear. Like this little thing was like this on the whole screen. It was like a poster stamp, and it was like tearing as it moved. And now we're doing these full screen animations and 3D was coming out and we're trying to figure out how to use 3D and all the, all the vehicles are modeled in 3D and then we'd paint over them and we had this rebel assault type sequence in the middle of it where you're going down a trench, you know, and so there's all this complicated stuff 
and it was just took it was such a steep learning curve that we were like we don't have time for a third of this game. There was a whole another like third of it um, with another. Uh, I think it was just one more biker gang. I had a biker gang that was like water skeeters. Mm. Their motorcycles would go in the water. <laughs> they had like little <laughs> pontoons. Uh, and there was a town called Poyahoga, which meant um, caution: don't drink the water; it's poisonous or something. <laughs> there was I had this whole um, part of it, and of course the interactive peyote trip, which got cut too. Would any of that is, does any of that exist in such a state where it could go back into the game in a theoretical special edition? No, it was only someday? well, it was only design. It was only like written. Gotcha. There was no okay. art from that stuff. And the peyote trip we kind of turned into psychonauts. So right there you go. There you go. Scoops. Mm-hmm. Is there a part of you, small or large part, that is glad LucasArts never got a full throttle sequel out the door because they tried a couple oh, times? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a part of me, like this starting here, going yeah, down there. The whole thing. I, mostly it was, I mean, I'm, there were good people working on it and doing their best. Yeah. And it, was, it just felt so much ownership over that, and it was hard to let go of that kind of ownership. Like, wait, you can't. It's like someone stealing your child and raising them. They're like, wait, uh, I mean, I'm sure you'll do a good job, but I think I should. I think I should be the one to raise that child. Right. You know, like it felt really weird. And knowing what was going on just kind of um, was one of the reasons that um, led me to found my own company. Yeah. Because I was like, well, this belongs to someone else, and they paid me for it, and it's fair. So the only way to really control what you make is to own it and to go out and risk your whole you know, life savings and make your own thing. So that's that's one of the reasons we um, started Double Fine was because I realized I didn't own it. But um, if you just complain about it loudly enough in public, you'll eventually get to revisit it. And uh, That's true. I did not complain about the sequel, though. I didn't really want to shut it down. I, you know, they were... I didn't really... Like, when I saw bits of it, I was like, ah, oh, it's not exactly... Yeah, it was like I, an action-adventure thing. I mean, you could do that. You could make an action-adventure version of um, a Full Throttle, to be sure. But I just... has to have a certain look... And Roy mm-hmm. Conrad had sadly passed away. Roy Conrad at had that passed point. away. Yep, yep. So it was. I felt like it was probably better left undone. But uh, right, I've gone so far down the full throttle well. well let's keep talking about full throttle. Uh, I could, for, <laughs> but I got to uh, got to ask you about some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Does did the did the closure of LucasArts <clears throat> sadden you? Did that? Did you have any sort of moment of reflection? Yeah, or? you know, I didn't think it would, but it did, because mostly the company that I had known. When I was there, was had been gone for a long time. Right, all those people were gone. It had been through several different presidents and iterations since then. Yeah. So I felt like uh, it doesn't. I didn't. I thought I don't really have any feelings about. And then when it finally shut down, I was like, oh, that feels weird. I didn't think that would ever happen. Like you know, and um, and it, and it was it was kind of sad. But um, you know, there's still some remnants of it there, and um, there's still people who care about. There's still an archive of. All the stuff sitting somewhere, and it's and it seems like, you know, you see, we've seen a lot of activity with the the properties, still. So, never say never. What? So, they'll come back. I think they'll come. I don't think they'll come. I don't, no, oh, I don't. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, um, it's always sad when something when something shuts yeah. down. But um, do you think LucasArts could have been saved? Is there if you what would you have done differently if you were running? That we, place. I oh god I would, would not I would have gotten fired because that's everyone who runs that company gets fired after a couple of years, but I should I say that I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's too late now. I, um, uh, you know it's it's funny like there's a lot of um, ex LucasArts employees in the Bay Area because yeah. it was here for a long time and hired a lot of people. Fine. Yeah, and um, 
you know, we often have that conversation. You get together, you meet anyone who's like, oh, I used to work there. You like start talking about experiences that we had and talk about like what happened on that project. Because I guess the most frustrating ones were the ones that the projects that got canceled and that looked really cool and looked. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The and Sam and Max sequel. I thought it was I think after you'd left. That was after like, I left. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Lo- it looked really cool because it was there was a trailer other than D three one year. It yeah. looked it was like perfect point and click style. And I mean who knows where these things happen and I you know can't pass judgment. I was not there. It's just that there's often like a change. They would, you know, there'd be a direction change and the project would suffer for it, and that was always frustrating. But um, it was a very unique company. I mean, there's not that many companies that exist inside of another whole empire. You know what I mean? Right. So there was, you know, there was George and his empire, and then LucasArts making Monkey Island. You know, like, that's just a weird thing to have. This this fist is the, this represents the little, like, uh, strange growth inside the body of you know the general Lucas, and it was except instead of making cancer, it's making awesome yeah, it's making point and click adventures. <laughs> <laughs> um, if only they had the growth like that. But anyway, like a lot of cool things, uh, it, it only existed because it was kind of an anomaly in history. Mm-hmm. You know, there was this period where we couldn't make Star Wars games and 
had to make original properties, and, and but we still had this access to George's money, yeah. which is a weird combination of things that led to a whole bunch of original stuff being made and risks being taken that probably wouldn't don't you know don't make sense in in uh, your average situation. Uh, why do you think Brutal Legend didn't become like a huge take over the world? Mega and smash? I, uh, you know, it's hard because it's still like one of our our best selling game. I think it's made us the the, um, the most money, so it's uh, done really well for us. Good, and I really like the game. And um, I think you know, there's a lot of um, uh, confusion when that thing launched about what it was yeah. for sure. And it was hard because we were, you know, a lot of people said we were hiding the fact that it had RTS elements, which I didn't know why we would want to hide that except for. Um, because we, we'd done this whole press event where we showed the multiplayer and we are on G4 talking about the, can we talk, mention other, other gone, so I can talk about Say G4, whatever you want. Right? Yeah, we're on G4 and uh, uh, I remember um, uh, Morgan Webb called it an RTS and I was like, oh, we're not, we're not supposed to say that. Use <laughs> those letters, but okay. And, um, and uh, so we had done these press events, but it didn't really get out there and it wasn't in the demo. The, and our lead designer wanted to put it in the demo, but we're like, oh, we'd have to create a whole new fake mission that's not in the game just so you could see it in the yeah. intro. So it's, it was, it was, um, it was uh, surprising. And in some ways, like, uh, I misanticipated. Mis can you say misanticipated? You just did. Misanticipated? Right. I, um, I thought that, in some ways, when people were playing a game and expecting it to be a certain way, and then something totally changed direction and started getting more complicated, more complex, and uh, I thought people would be excited by that in some yeah. ways. Um, not that it was my idea to hide it, but I was okay with it because I thought of this game, ActRaiser, on my uh, Super Nintendo. Remember ActRaiser? Our buddy Mitch Dyer's favorite game yeah. here at IGN. <laughs> you're, and you're playing it, and it's like the side-scroller, and then in between two missions, it's like, okay, uh, before you go on this next mission, you've, there's these crops you got to plant. And you're like, what? <laughs> and you plant these crops, and then a demon comes. you got to get rid of the demon, and then you're back into a side-scroller. And then you go back and forth to between this like Sim City part in between, right? And um, I just loved that because I was not expecting it. And then when it happened, I was like, "What? This is crazy!" And um, apparently, that not everyone has that universal reaction of like, "What? This is not what the demo looked like." And um, so that and that created this really negative buzz about the game, which I think is too bad because I think those parts are are good. I mean, they're not they're not perfect, but I think they they are really um, good and. We probably could have trained people how to play those parts of the game better. And I had to like write this thing afterwards, like, oh, here's the parts we forgot to train you how to, and then people, that came off as me sounding like I was telling people they were playing the game wrong, so mm -hmm. it was just, ugh, just a couple of mistakes. Are you? But it's yeah. still really good, and people should go back and play it now. Because now, on PC. all those hard feelings are gone, and everyone's heard all the stories. Yeah, and you can play it on PC, and I'll play it online with you. <laughs> you <laughs> heard it. Yeah, you heard him. Right. It was after Brutal Legend that you that you really changed the entire makeup of the studio. Mm -hmm. you, know, you you sort of said, okay, well, we're not going to work on one sort of triple triple mm -hmm. A thing for mm -hmm. you know five years anymore. We're going to make a bunch of smaller games. Was if you what would have happened had you not made that decision? Do you think we would have disappeared? We would have gone out of business. I think we you know we were going to make Brutal Legend two, and. We were kind of staffed up for that, yeah. and with the full team, 60 people, um, and then that got canceled, and we were like, what are we going to do? But we'd had this thing called Amnesia Fortnite, which is our game jam we do once in a while. We yeah. take two weeks, and we make these little small games, and we had made these games 
little prototypes. And they're for, just internal things, right? Or yeah. they were at the time. Yeah, we didn't tell anyone about them at the time. We were just doing it to like give people a break from the land of heavy metal and stuff and just take a little creative breather. Yeah. And we made a game about an RPG game about Halloween night and a game about Russian nesting dolls and a game with furry creatures that sang like um, uh, Once Upon a Monster, you know, and all these little ideas. So when... Um, when when uh, Brutal Legend 2 got canceled, we are like, well, we have all these demos. We have all these great little demos. Let's take them on the road. So we did like this four-game tour, and we took them all out, and we showed um, Custodians of the Clock, which was like a uh, Brad's prototype for Iron Brigade. Mm -hmm. What would become Iron... Well, first it would become Trenched, Trenched and then it would become Iron Brigade. Um, and we took that, and Happy Song, which would become Once Upon a Monster, and Stacking, and Costume Quest, and... And showed them to all these publishers and got um, two of them signed with THQ, you know, right. and one later with Warner Brothers and another with uh, Microsoft. And uh, that it saved the company. And it was really nice because we saved the company by having a really creative team that came up with these ideas. And it was the, idea, the ideas that saved the company. And that's always nice when it's not, um, when that's how you pull yourself out of the, um, the jaws of uh, the abyss. Can an abyss have jaws? Sure, like why a Sarlacc not? It's a metaphorical abyss. Yeah, it pulled us out of the metaphorical Sarlacc pit monster uh, by just the you know the team having these crazy ideas. That was fun. So uh, Psychonauts, another beloved game of yours. Mm. Uh, Thanks for remembering. I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got it. Uh, you've got a. You, most developers are lucky if they get one beloved game. You've got like seventeen <laughs> of them. Uh, what's your strongest memory of of Psychonauts? Because that was a, a long road too. Yeah, and there were, I mean, there were some real tough points in that because that got canceled as well. Yeah, I'm gonna, I was going to ask you about that, too, <laughs> with, with Microsoft. but uh, it, yeah. That was canceled, and we took that on the road and pitched it, and no one would touch it, and um, every single publisher passed on that. And I had borrowed money. I had borrowed, like, a lot of money to keep the studio going from, um, well, let's just, let's not say the mob. I mean, no, <laughs> I, borrowed, I, I had borrowed a lot of money. And I was personally on the line. Like I would have been debt in debt the rest of my life for the money I'd borrowed to to, to um, make salary. But um, and then I thought it wasn't going to happen. I made this speech to the team of like next Wednesday's payroll is the last payroll, wow. and it was and it was like all the air went out of the room and just like. And then I left and went back to my desk and there was a message from um, uh, Majesco saying, "Hey, let's talk about the game." And I was like, "Oh, hold on, team." <laughs> Don't walk out of the door, and then uh, and then we signed it with them, and and the team just everyone stayed on, and everyone we never missed a payroll in that period, and everyone stayed on, and um, I was able to pay back the money that I owed, and finish the game, and the team just really just threw their heart and soul into it, and made it really awesome, and really changed the history, obviously, of the company, because if we had failed to make that game, we had never made anything. You know, the the company would have had worked for four years on this thing that no one would have ever seen, right. which is just a weird feeling. Like, Double Fine would have never been a th thought in anyone's head at all. Would, uh, do you think anything about Psychonauts would have been different if Microsoft had published it as a, as a first-party exclusive? I don't know. Either it's sort of legacy or the actual development of the game? I, mean, I don't know. I mean... Um, you know, having that time without a publisher allowed us to really kind of actually get to know the game without any sort of internal, like, outside uh, voices telling us about the game. Because there was a lot of pressure to change it, you know, in the first iteration to, like, make it less puzzly or to make it more platformy huh. or to do this or do that with it. And now we were just like, what do we want to do with it? And so we, you know, we had that period of, 
of, of just making it the way we liked it. And um, so in some ways, it probably really benefited the game. Uh, are you still not keen on doing sequels to any of your games? Well, it's mostly like that thing I was talking about with the remasters, where the main reason I don't like to do it is that um, then I can't do something else. Right. But um, now we're doing, our company, since Double Fine is doing so many things, it's, it's more possible. And we've done them twice now. We've done um, Connect Party, yep. sequel to Double Fine Happy Action Theater, and, um, and Costume Quest, too. So I'm not opposed to it. And a lot of these worlds are, you know, we put so much work into just making the worlds work and making the worlds have a history and a reason to exist that it is tempting to go back there. And there's some of them are just really easy to extend. Some of them are harder than others. And, um, but I would love to go back to some of them eventually. Do you have an idea for, I'm going to go back to the full throttle well again. You ready? Mm -hmm. Ready to go down mm -hmm. it? Is mm -hmm. there an idea for a full throttle too in your head? You know, I don't. I don't know if I really ever made a full throttle sequel idea. I mean, for lot, almost almost every game, I'm trying to think. Did I ever think of a? There's I, some, I know you went into Grim after, but and Grim's challenging because of how it ends. I was like, wait, does he come back or does he go or is it set where? Should it be another character? Is that right? But um, had some ideas for that one too. But uh, they all have these things where I have these inklings of ideas of like the untold stories. You know. Well, with Psychonauts, uh, famously, it was actually right around the time that your Kickstarter launched, mm -hmm. there was this, this, this fervent internet chatter about mm. you and, and Notch, oh. uh, he, of, he of Minecraft fame, that mm -hmm. is, is, you know, there was this, mm -hmm. maybe, was it a joke, was it not, if he'll, he'll finance was it? Psychonauts too, <laughs> and so uh, he's way richer now, mm. like way richer even mm -hmm. than he was then. Mm. Have you spoken to him since he's become a billionaire? Mm. 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 Well, <laughs> I mean, that was a weird morning because like, you know when you wake up and you're first, you get a phone call and someone's like, you really should check your messages. It's like, <laughs> oh God, what is it? Is it the end of the world? And we were just getting up, revving up to launch the Kickstarter, I think the next day or something like that. And everyone was not, was not talking about this Kickstarter they were about to launch. They were all talking about Notch's tweet about, let's make this happen. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, this is weird timing. Um, and I, I was like, okay, this is cool, but we're about to do this other thing. So let's, we'll get back to that after. But uh, we, did, you know, we talked, and, and once he, you know, I told him what I thought the budget of that game would be, he was like, oh, I thought it would be <laughs> like a smaller number than that. So... Um, and so that didn't end up happening. But, uh, and not no conversations since he cashed the Microsoft check? Well, you know, people always talk about things, but right. no, nothing's, this, uh, you know, he's busy. He's got stuff to do now. I guess. That we can't ever know about. <laughs> Are you, uh, you mentioned, I was asking you earlier, you said your daughter is seven now, is that correct? Yeah. Are you, seven. have you played any of your old adventure games with her? Uh, not, you, uh, she, I played Grimm with her on the Vita, and um, but she is. This sounds this sounds like promotion, but she really likes Broken Age. She loves it. I think you know Vela was named after her imaginary friend Vela, you know, and um, Shay was the name of a boy she really liked at her preschool when she was like three, and maybe that's why. But I mean, it was um, you know point and click adventures are really fun for kids, and I think it's really hard for them sometimes to um, solve the puzzles. But um, 
they like to play them. Like, I remember even playing Text Adventures with my dad. Like, it's a thing you can, because you talk about, they're multiplayer yeah. in this funny way where you talk right. about, you, it's really hard for one person the, sometimes same thing with to. with my friend, yeah. Yeah. And you like, like you, you're like, oh, I can't. You stand up, and the other person sits down, and you're like, let me try something. And you're like, this is Text Adventures, by the way. And, um, <laughs> and so um, I, I help her through some of the tough parts, but like little kids like to, they don't mind repeating stuff. In fact, they love the fact that now they know. So she can play the whole first act of Broken Age by herself because she knows the answers. And she likes that. She likes that. She's like, oh, I know how to do all this. Let me, let me do all this. Um, she hasn't gotten through act two yet. It's harder. You know, I do is harder, but um, uh, she, but she, but she likes his voice and his story and um, all the things that she likes. So, what's what's your favorite adventure game ever? It's a you know, it's a genre you've obviously have mm. uh, a lot of history in. What's what's mm -hmm. your favorite adventure game? Well, you know, it's hard to get past the original impact of like the first few that you play, and those were text adventures to me. Yeah. So, like, it was actually, I mean, like Zork was a huge influence on me. You know, I just loved the, the first Zork, but before that, I'd play these. Um, text Adventures by Scott Adams, not the guy who does Dilbert, but another guy named Scott Adams. Uh, like the Pirate Adventure and Savage Island and Voodoo Castle and Cat the Count and these games where you couldn't type a whole sentence even. You would just type like, get, stick, <laughs> use, stick. And then, um, but I just, I was, I was captivated by this idea that you could do anything you want in them, which is not true. Like, but it just felt like I could just type yeah. anything. I could just type anything I want. Um, and the worlds in them and the stories were, I just sat there, I had this Atari 800, just sat there all summer long typing on these um, little text screens. And um, so those, those are like some of my favorite, they really made an impact on me. And um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like a lot of the Infocom games, Deadline, um, that was my era. That was my golden era of adventure games. Was there a blood rivalry with Sierra at the time you were at LucasArts? <laughs> there was, because they sold so much more than we did. <laughs> You know, and we were, they were doing straight fantasy, which we always made fun of. And um, I think Brian Moriarty would call it elves and tights fantasy. Like he was like high fantasy was like just uh, high fantasy, please. And um, although their stuff was a little bit more like fairy tale fantasy, I think, than like Tolkieny. But um, we were like doing this alternative fantasy, like pirates right. and bikers and stuff. And uh, and and they were you know selling. Um, but when I met Roberta Williams once at a photo shoot for a PC gamer, I think years ago, um, many years ago, and um, but, but around that same time she had done an interview where she was um, kind of grumpy, like I am grumpy about Sierra sales. She was grumpy about the reviews for uh, Grim Fandango, and she was like, what's the deal with everyone talking about Grim Fandango? Like, King's Quest sold way more than that game. And, and, so, uh, and so we both have, we both have something to be happy about. Um, I could, you know, I'd be happy to split the difference and, you know, just... Yeah. Some of her boat money, you know, right. be fine. <laughs> not that I'm. Not that, who wants a who wants a boat? You got to maintain it. Yeah. Gassing it. Sharks. Right. Barnacles. <laughs> Our, uh now Telltale has kind of mm. helped. I don't want to say modernize, but sort of re uh, make the adventure game, make the genre mm. cool again, and sort of their their own style. Uh, are you a fan of what Telltale's doing? You know, it's funny. Like it's. I feel like it's a whole different branch. Like I don't I feel so. like those are really. It's not. I, I mean, they're they're they're. Uh, uh, they're not. They don't have puzzles, really. They don't have puzzles. So they're not really adventure games. I would call them more interactive narrative. I don't know what mm -hmm. they call them. They probably call them something else. But um, I mean, they're adventure in the in the more general sense. But they're more about um, you know player choice than about than about puzzles. Right. Which people like more. They like to make choices more than sitting there scratching their head and solving puzzles. 
but uh, um, I did. I played the whole. You know, I played. I played a lot of them, and they're and they're and they're and they're really well done. I just think it's. Um, I get. I get a headache when I think about making one of those kind of games because I think about all the like Heavy Rain. Yeah. When I played Heavy Rain, I was like, oh, oh man, it'd be a pain to make this game. Four endings. Just keep thinking of all the, the like at least four. <laughs> and like thinking about all that branching and stuff, I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, but um, they definitely have, um, you know, created. Cre- I mean, that's cool to create a subgenre and then own it. I think that's it's um, pretty cool. Would you ever want to do a game with them, or you just prefer to? You, you like? We your know puzzles. them. We're friends with them. You yeah. Know, yeah. Kevin Bruner was our one of our main programmers Obviously on Dave Fandango, and um, yeah, he's not there anymore. But he, he was, was for there. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, I know a lot of people there. There are a lot of ex Lucas people there. Um, and um, you know, we're, they like to make games with people. Yeah, yeah. With like, who are you talking about? Like Game of Thrones and uh, Minecraft. Yeah, HBO Mojang s- and uh, uh, <laughs> Gearbox with Tales from the Borderlands. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're probably busy with all that Minecraft <laughs> stuff. They're probably busy just counting and sorting the money right now. They're probably finding rooms to put all the money in is probably a big challenge for them. So fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, what's it like to work for you? Because oh. you, you know, you, you've been a creative oh, Are you guy, applying for a job no. right now? I am very happy. Tell me what's your best and worst quality. Right? I, this is my <laughs> best and worst quality right now. You're seeing it. But uh, because we got a bit of a taste of, of inside mm. life at, mm-hmm. at Double Fine in the documentary. But what kind of boss are you? Are you, uh, what do you like to work for? Would you rather not be a boss and just be creative? I would rather not be a boss. This is funny. I mean, I think that comes off a lot in the way I try and get out of meetings and stuff. But I, you know, mostly started the company, you know, creative control was like a, a, a big push. And also um, quality of life. Like I wanted to have a company where um, you could treat the employees in a way that is more, that big companies can't do. They can't do custom fit hours and stuff like that and, and accommodate, you know. So we wanted to really, um, you know, when one of our, Animators wanted to move to Iceland and still work for us. We're like, okay, that'd be, that's fine. And can't, it's hard to do that at a big company and stuff like that. So that combination of creative freedom and like a good quality of life was one of the reasons we started the company. Um, not because I like to boss people around. I really don't like bossing people around. I think it's unnatural and it's weird. But um, tried to approach it like um, you know, there's this thing I want to do. I want to make this game. Try and get everyone excited about making it, and then try and get out of their way and you know let them make it is is the way I approach it. Um, and I think some people like that, and some people don't like that. You know, some people like having that kind of freedom to like right. figure out what to do, and some people would rather have it be figured out, or that it's stressful to like wait. You know, like could you just tell me, could you just tell me exactly what to do? <laughs> but um, I mostly think of it as like a creative collaboration where y'all. There's a lot of chaos that I I think is preferable to have. I like I like a lot of chaos in a game production just because I feel like if you know where it's going to go exactly from the very beginning, then it's not art at all. Right. I think it's got to got to kind of be something you figure out together and that you purposely don't know the ending when you start it um, in a weird way. So it's a timocracy. It's everybody's got their save. And then, and then you just need to if, ultimately... I get 17 votes. That's all. Right. It's fair. It's totally flat, but I get 17 <laughs> votes. That's how, that's how we work it. Uh, do you ever have any desire to make or, or have any ideas for games in, in like wildly different genres? Than, I mean, you're just starting to branch out into that now at Double Fine. But like for instance, like a first-person shooter or a, or a mm. you know, deep... Witcher type role playing game or anything like oh, that. Oh well, I mean, I think I feel like I used to, but I feel like in some ways, some people like the existing genres have been long, around for a long time, like first person shooters have matured so much that there's such an experience and learning curve to make one of those. 
I feel like it would be really hard to be anyone new. Just I'm going to make I'm going to make one from scratch, because like they they just know so much. The people who made those have made those games are, you know, really experts in making those games. Like I think it was surprising to people that I really wanted to make a RTS game back in the day. Like that's I really loved Herzog's Vi, and that's you know that old Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis, movie. yeah. And that's why you know Brutal Legend came into being. Um, but even then, it was kind of interesting to see that there's there's a maturity to RTS games that I was like I saw more as like my personal relationship with them, the ones that I liked. It was like a single player. I was never into the competitive right. head to head, you know, clicks per second. And and um, that's luckily I probably you know would have been too intimidated if I had been aware of that how deep that that went. But because because like first person shooters, some things have just matured so much. It's really hard to. To break into them because you'd be starting at ground ground level and uh, trying to work your way up expertise wise. Um, but uh, you know we've done the company you know a different genre almost every time. You know RPGs we've done that. Costume and, Quest. Yeah, you know, Costume Quest. And we've done you know motion based games and uh, adventure games. Yeah, and you and Harmonix are the only developers that and uh, what's their faces down? Uh, Twisted Pixel. Gunstringer. Yeah, That's yeah. them. Yep. yep. Like really, only three developers that ever made interesting things with hmm. really good things with Connect. You guys have I, two of yeah. them. You guys made two of them. Happy, well, Happy Action, yeah. the Happy Action Theater franchise, and, and uh, Once Upon a Monster, and Once Upon a Monster. Yeah, yeah, those were. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump to the end because I saw the last question on your list. It, all right. Which you're talking about? What I'm I was gonna end on that that like happy note. I was gonna let you, was gonna plug Fig first and let you talk about that. That's but. also happy. We can do both. All right, fair enough. Both. But uh, you said the what am I most proud of? Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm legitimately curious. Like you know, because you've, you've had such a long, uh, really fascinating career with just all these different games mm -hmm. and and uh, you know between LucasArts and and Double Fine and all the risks you've mm -hmm. taken on your own. Like yeah, what what are you most proud of in your career? I mean, one of the things I'm most happy about and proud of making is Happy Action Theater and Connect Party because ever watched a family playing that together, it's the most inspiring thing because it's like, oh my God, there's so there's just so much happiness and like little kids laughing and like your grandparents playing it, you know, and the family dog is jumping in. <laughs> like, like there's no barrier to it. Everyone just gets in and has fun together and they're like they're running around screaming and, and shrieking and having a blast and using their imaginations while they're playing a video game and um, hiding under lava and giggling and all that stuff. It's just, it's so fun to see something that just creates that kind of overt happiness in someone. Because a lot of the other reactions people have when they're playing your games, like it's quiet, like it's like it's all internal. Yeah. Like I'm enjoying this a lot, you know. But Happy Action Theater and Connect Party were. Um, Really rewarding, and that was like that's that's your George Lucas moment. You, that was the wait. You, you, just made, you just ruined it. That's my what? Your just weird hair is coming down from my. Face. Yeah, I can see it's just. Hopefully like, that, that won't show up on camera. But like you know, that was my George Lucas, Lucas moment. Spielberg he has start, the, no, started making you know films for their kids. That was like you. Made are that you saying your, Happy Action Theater was my Jar Jar Binks? You. Except it went better. <laughs> Except it went, it went pretty well. I mean, it was very deliberate. You know, was, I was playing connectables with uh, Lily, and she really wanted to pet the tiger, but first she had to stand in one place and hold her arm a certain right. way and sign in, and like, and it was almost like the verge of tears because she just could not stand in the same place. And I was like, "No, stand there and pet the tiger." And like, <laughs> it's like this shouldn't be this way because she really wants to pet the tiger. It should be really easy, and. Um, I was like, I'm going to make something that you just don't have to stand in one place. To, you don't have to sign in to. It just works. So I have to imagine Microsoft greenlit that like instantly when you pitched it. It like, was the only, that was the only phone, that was the only like game deal I signed by just calling someone up 
and describing it over the phone. And they're like, yep, sure, send you the contract lease. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that fast, but it was, it was, it was basically like that, yeah. And it was, cheap. it was not that expensive, too. Uh, so, Fig. Yeah, Fig. Your, 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 your newest, latest, and greatest thing. You're part of Fig. You're sitting on the advisory board yeah. with some old game industry friends of yours. Brian Fargo and Fergus, or what? Alex Rogopoulos. Alex Rogopoulos. Uh, okay. It is a crowdfunding app that uh, you mentioned at, at the top uh, that is, enables the, the possibility of profit sharing for, mm -hmm. let's just call them backers, even though mm -hmm. Kickstarter might sue us for saying that. What, uh, what do you hope that FIG does for, for Double Fine's games that, mm -hmm. uh, that Kickstarter didn't or couldn't? Well, I mean, I, we had a great crowdfunding experience, and we just want to do more with it. And I would love to fund almost everything we do that way. But it seems like, you know, we, there's a certain amount of money that you can, um, that there seems to be a limit. There seems to be a limit um, hovering somewhere between three and five million. And I think it would be, it would be great, to, you know, and who knows if that would even maintain, like that might even go down. At the, you know, people were really excited when we first did it. You know, yeah. It was very novel. And as it becomes a more of a, a routine thing, it seems like it won't continue to grow. And if we ever want to do games that are, you know, what we call like AAA games, like, or just bigger games that have budgets that approach more like $10 million right. or, or higher, um, what, you know, how can we, how can we get there? Um, and, and part of it is that you have to, you have to give something back. You have to, you can't just say we're taking that, all that money and, and just disappearing with it. Uh, it's like we, it's, you know, the, the people at FIG have set up the system where you can, um, uh, right now it's just accredited investors, which means people have the, they can afford to, to invest that kind of money. Yeah, but, they're, they're vetted by, by the, by the, yeah. know, by Vegas, by the dealer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but eventually um, everybody will be able to um, get, uh, participate in the profits of the games that they're investing in. They're actually investing right. in the game. Because that was always a funny thing with the old campaigns. People would say like, well, I invested in that game. People were like, you're not an investor, you're a backer. You're like a patron of the arts. Right. And that was the, the statement um, from Kickstarter and that was accurate and I think that is, Great. That is a great thing for um, you know. It doesn't really invalidate anything that Kickstarter is doing. I think Kickstarter is still a really valuable platform. Um, it's just that for games and where where we wanted to go with games, um, I don't think we could have gotten there without the equity-based crowdfunding that Fig is doing. So, and then uh, is is Double Fine doing doing okay? You've got all these little <laughs> projects. You came mm -hmm. off of, you know, what was as we saw in the documentary, mm -hmm. a, a something of a bumpy ride at times with mm -hmm. with Broken Age. The roller coaster. Yeah. Oh, it's is, is all well with the studio? Yeah, we, um, the we're enjoying a period of uh, not being on camera all the time. I mean, we're still... Sorry about that. We're still shooting stuff. Yeah, this is fine. Um, we are working on new things that are secret. It's been a long time since we've had secrets, so we're just enjoying having a couple like secrets Full Throttle right now. Special Edition? Super. We're not working on Full Throttle Special Edition right now. There. We're working on Day of the Tentacle still. <laughs> You can only do one of those at a time. They're yeah. very complicated. Um, yeah, we're working on Data Tentacle, and then we announced Headlander, which I don't know if you saw, but it looks amazing. Yeah, the trailer looks really cool. I gotta, I gotta float my head from yeah. body to body and and yeah. access different your head is like the only clearance. organic material left in this world of robots, and yeah. you can uh, take control of their ro robotic bodies and fire sweet looking lasers around. Um, made by Lee Petty, who did Stacking and who loves Barbarella and all crazy 70s science fiction movies. Yeah, he was, and he was your art director on Brutal Legend. And he was our art director yeah. on Brutal Legend. So it, 
obviously it looks beautiful, but it has this really unique gameplay idea, which I think is really, um, it adds a lot of mechanical, like puzzle depth to it. So I was going to end on the, you know, the happy, like, what's your proudest moment question. Mm -hmm. I but did that took one. that. And so I now that. I have to end on, do you have any regrets in your career? Besides a show. I know, I Zing. understand. Zow. It, it's, you know, Kapow. it's been a good run until doing this. Mm -hmm. But no, yeah, I mean, like, looking back, is there anything where you're kind of like, uh, I wish, wish that I'd done something differently there? Or... Um, you, know, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say, because, like, there were a lot of tough things this last couple of years with, uh, you know, and a lot of it was on film. You know, right. we, we filmed it and we, uh, um, you know, we have some things that we would have done differently on that project for sure if we were to do it again. But it's hard to say when it's over because I really like how things worked out. You know, like I would never say it was great that Second House was canceled and it was great that Brutal Legend got canceled and it was awesome that we got sued and all the things that happened on those games. But um, the time we had alone with both those projects, without a publisher, though terrifying, made those projects what they were. And so it's hard to look back and try to want to do, undo anything um, because that was all part of the crazy journey that brought us here. Right. i got to end on a happier note. So let, let me ask you, what uh, five years from now, what do you hope Double Fine looks like? And where, how do you, where do you hope you are? Well, there's some secret things we're doing now. So obviously those things will be out and will right. be, of course, changed everything. Right. Because that's all anyone will be talking about, those, Good. those secret things. Um, I mean, I, f I hope that we're completely funded by FIG campaigns. You know, I think Double Fine will be crowdfunding everything and working with publishers who, we, who are nice, that we like, like Adult Swim is doing Headlander. You know? yep. They've been really great to work with. Um, but working with them because we choose to, not because we have to. Right. And um, other than that, making games. We're gonna own. You're gonna. We're gonna own uh, your old IPs in five years. <laughs> Don't say everything. I would. I. I'm really happy with the way things are. I think everything's gonna be great. I don't need that. Why do I need to own things? <laughs> Fine. Uh, Tim, thank you, you so much. Double Hunt will purchase Disney. Is what you're saying. That'll be the announcement. Double fine on Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> and Disneyland. <laughs> now I can finally kill all superheroes. That was my plan. Psychonauts, oh. the ride. Oh, man, that would be awesome. That actually would be good. Mm -hmm. Are you handed hmm. some sort of mind-altering drug on the way into the ride? Yeah. You have to you teleport yourself through this wall, but it might not happen in time. The right. roller coaster is just shooting right towards it. That's <sighs> That'd good. be good. Might not pass inspection. We can try. <laughs> uh, Tim Schaefer, thank you so much. Really Thanks for having me on the show. Hanging this is, out. Is this the first one? It's the first episode. Oh, nice. I hope this went well. We've made or, made or broke it yeah. just now. Yeah. And, and what's the fancy new name you have for it? Calling it IGN Unfiltered. Unfiltered. That certainly was like unfiltered. A, like a cigarette. Not, I probably terrible. will regret. The greatest regret in my career will probably be something I said in that interview. So that's pretty unfiltered. I'll take it. Uh, Tim, thank you so much. <laughs> so the game... We've got Headlander that we're looking forward to, Headlander. and we've got Day of the Tentacle Special Edition yep. that we're looking forward to. Yep. Those are our two announced at the moment things yep. that aren't out yet. Yep. Anything else you want to plug real quick? Uh, mm, I'm sure Grim Fandango's on sale somewhere right now. Grim Fandango on PS4, and PC, and Vita, and Broken Age as well. Yeah. Excellent. Tim, thank you so much. And while you're at it, go back and play Brutal Legend again. So let's do that. Let's just go not? over all of them. Why not? No. Where's uh, get the backwards compatibility going? On That's three. a good idea. Okay, I'll call, get on that. Call Phil Spencer. Let me write this down somewhere. <laughs>
Tim, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And for more on uh, all of this gentleman's games and his company's games, you're already in the right place right here at IGN. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.